Welcome to episode six of the podcast. In this episode, we are joined by pelvic health physiotherapist Sarah Louise Peacock. We are going to discuss the topic of pelvic health, a subject we all feel isn't talked about enough. Sarah is going to take us through what the pelvic floor is and why it's important, the work of a pelvic health physio, and the pelvic floor and its health pre and postnatal, and how to return to exercise if you've had a pelvic floor dysfunction. Sarah, we're, we're really excited to have you today. We think this is going to be a, a fascinating discussion. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Good. So, Sarah, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little about yourself, how you got into being a pelvic health specialist, where you studied, where you work now. Yeah, so I, I trained in the UK. Um, I did my undergrad degree in human physiology at the University of Leeds. Um, and then I actually did physiotherapy as my master's degree at uh, Brunel University in London. Um, and then I spent two years working in the UK. So I was working in the NHS as a junior physio. Um, and as a junior physio in the UK, you do rotations. So you do six month rotations in different areas of physio. Um, because for a lot of people, when you think about physio, everybody just thinks about, you know, sort of outpatient physio where you have a sports injury or, you know, back pain, something like that. But actually physios work everywhere within the healthcare system. So you have physios in the hospital, on the wards, on intensive care. Um, so I think working in the NHS was fantastic because you got to really see the different areas and sort of figure out where you wanted to specialize and figure out sort of who you were as a physio. Um, so I spent two years there, and then I moved to Kenya in beginning of 2018. Um, and I was very lucky when I got here, I was put in touch with Altaf, who I know has been on your podcast before. Yes. Um, so once I got through all of my licensing to get my license here, um, I met with Altaf, and he took me onto the team of performance medicine. Um, so really, I was incredibly lucky. I got here and I found my dream job with a fantastic, fantastic uh, clinic. Um, and then I'd been here for, I think it was beginning of 2019, I had the opportunity to do my pelvic health training here in Kenya at KMTC. Um, so there's a, a foundation called the Jackson Foundation, which is an American clinic that provides continuing professional development courses here in Kenya. Um, so beginning of 2019, and this was the first time they run the pelvic health course here. So I was very lucky to be part of the first cohort of pelvic health specialists here in Kenya. Um, so I did that and I finished that training in, I think it was March or April this year. Um, so I think before I did the training, like I, it was something really for me, I mean, in your physio degree, you don't do much about pelvic health, women's health. It might be like, you know, a two hour lecture here or there, but it's something that in your general training, you really don't know much about. Um, so when I started on the training, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, but after going through the training, it's an area that is really, it's under, there's not enough pelvic health specialists in Kenya or anywhere in the world. And it's something that unfortunately people don't give enough emphasis to because it can be helpful to such a huge population of people. Um, but it's not, it's not emphasized enough. So for us, for the first cohort of um, pelvic health specialists here in Kenya, a big challenge that we have is trying to raise awareness so people know what pelvic floor physio is and know how to access it, who it can help. And really starting that conversation is what we're a group of, I think there were 30 of us, are trying to get it recognized and trying to get patients to come so we can help people. Yeah, and that, um, so that's, that's how I ended up here. That's, that's so interesting. I had no idea that uh, you studied that here, which is great. Yeah, it's uh, incredible. Because before, before they did the course here, there were no specialists in the country. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd never heard of uh, pelvic health yeah. specialists until I did my pre and postnatal course. Um, and then yeah. I, I asked Altaf if he knew any, and I thought that was going to be, you know, a, a long shot. I was like, I wonder if Kenya yeah. has one. He was like, yes. We do. And that was, I just thought that was, that was wonderful. And um, yeah, hopefully through this podcast as well, we can raise some awareness about it. Yeah. And the fantastic thing about the course was there was 30, sort of 30 women doing it and they came from all areas of the country. And there's people, we have people working in Kenyatta and Aga Khan. So 
people at all levels can access the specialist treatment. That's so great. And is this an ongoing course? Um, yes, yeah, so they were going to do another cohort this year, but I think everything's on hold because yeah. of Corona. Oh, shame. Okay. So <laughs> let's, let's get into the pelvic floor. So what exactly is it and, and why is it so important? So the pelvic floor is, it's a group of muscles, obviously, in your pelvis. And they're muscles like any other muscle in the body. Um, but because they're all internal, they're ones that tend to get forgotten about. So they act like, almost like a hammock or like a sling. So in your pelvis, they run from your pubic bone at the front to your coccyx at the back, and then between your sit bones. So, you know, when you're sitting, the sort of bony prominences you're sitting on, they're your sit bones. So they make like a hammock in your pelvis, and they have four really important functions. So the first one is a supportive function. So your pelvic floor muscles support all of your pelvic organs. So your bladder, your rectum, and then for women, your uterus. So they're holding them all in place. Um, they also have uh, a sphincteric function. So your sphincteric muscles are like the circular muscles, and they're responsible for opening and closing. So they are responsible for controlling your bladder and your bowel movements. Um, the pelvic floor is also important in stability. Uh, so it, when people think of your core, a lot of people just think of your ab muscles, and they think that's it. But actually, your core is a whole system. So you have your abs on the front, and then obviously your back muscles on the back. The top is your diaphragm, and the bottom is your pelvic floor. So it's like a closed system, and it's responsible for that stability, but maintaining your um, intra-abdominal pressures. So if there's a weakness in one of those four components, then the pressure isn't managed, and that can lead to injury or dysfunction in one of those components. Um, and the did I say four? Sphincteric function, sexual function, support, support. and I feel like I should be taking notes. <laughs> I've lost. Yeah. Me too. No, I'm <laughs> trying to take mental notes. I'm learning a lot already. I know. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think that's especially interesting about the core and it's so true. And as personal trainers, you know, um, everyone always thinks the core, like you say, it's just your abs at the front. Um, yeah. and, and I'm sure maybe they've heard, you know, now they think about, yeah, it's the back, but also the pelvic floor as well. Yeah, and your diaphragm. So it's all, for a lot of people with pelvic floor dysfunction, one of the first sort of treatments that we do is learning diaphragmatic breathing, like connecting your breathing and your pelvic floor so you get an understanding, you get that coordination of that system, because if it's not all working in sync, mm -hmm. that's when you then get difficulties. Yeah. So I've, especially for women after they've had a baby, if people have diastasis, which is where your ab muscles, they separate. And sometimes after you've had the baby, they don't come back together. So that makes sort of a weak link in that system that you can't maintain the pressure here. So often you then get a lot of pressure down into your pelvic floor and that then leads to pelvic floor dysfunction. Okay. And what, what exactly is a pelvic floor dysfunction? Could you take us through that? Yeah. So pelvic floor dysfunction, like any other muscle, you can have weak pelvic floor um, or your pelvic floor can be sort of short and tight and you can get um, trigger points like in any other muscle, you can have restriction in the movement. So it can't move through its whole range of movement. Um, so things, sort of a weak pelvic floor would lead to things like incontinence. So if you don't have the strength to close those sphincteric muscles, you can get urinary incontinence, you can get fecal incontinence. Um, and if you have the short, like very short and tight pelvic floor, you, like any other muscle, you know, if you have a trigger point somewhere, it's, it can get painful, you can't move properly, yeah. and that can then lead to other dysfunctions, like it has an impact on your bladder. Um, because to fully empty your bladder, your pelvic floor has to fully relax. Yeah. And if your pelvic floor is holding a lot of tension and it can't fully relax, then you don't empty your bladder properly, and you get a sort of uh, urinary urgency and frequency. Mm, interesting. So it can... Um, yeah, and after, after pregnancies, obviously the carrying that baby for nine months, that downward pressure on your pelvic floor, it um, will lengthen your pelvic floor and it will be at that lengthened um, state for the, you know, the whole time you're carrying the baby. And then if you deliver vaginally, that pelvic floor has to really stretch to get the baby out. Yeah. So that's a big, I mean, pelvic floor physio for 
prenatal and postnatal is a huge thing because the muscles go through a, a trauma, for want of a better word, for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of women do suffer some form of incontinence and feel that that's normal or they're either too embarrassed to, to talk about it. And um, That's it's a big problem because it's a really, really common problem after you've had a baby to have some sort of incontinence. But for some reason, it's been normalized in society and people will say, oh, you know, she had a baby. She can't jump on the trampoline anymore. But yeah. that's just, you know, she had a baby or she had two babies. But it's common, but it doesn't have to be normal. Exactly. And I think you're right. People find it things like that. It's embarrassing to talk about. So people tend to leave it a long time. And it's only actually when women start to talk to each other, talk to friends, and maybe someone has been to see pelvic floor physio or done something about it that then they're like oh I can do something about it yeah I can fix it it doesn't have to be the rest of my life exactly there's someone that I can see and I think um I mean we we talk a lot about fitness and I'm sure you know a lot of women who do high impact sports sort of um I guess like box jumps sprinting like double under skipping they might experience some form of incontinence as well and um yeah, not really know what to do about it or avoid those activities altogether. Exactly. And people just tend to, I think the information that people get postnatal is it's all about the baby. You know, it's all about baby's health and well-being. And actually, mom takes a bit of a backseat and no one gives them that information. I had a, a lady come to see me and she had incontinence for, I think, a couple of years. And it was only when she sat down with a group of friends and they were all suffering from the same sort of thing. Yeah. Luckily, one of them was a physio and said, guys, it doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. Send them all of them on their way to go and see a public floor physio wherever they were in the world. And they realized they could do something about it. Yeah, no, that and yeah, it's, it's, it's sad that people feel that they have to normalize that and, and just not talk about it. Yeah. And I think the, the postnatal period is a difficult people. Everybody knows about the three trimesters of pregnancy. But that journey doesn't end as soon as you have the baby. Like the, the next three months after you have the baby, they call the fourth trimester. And it's such an important time for people to both physically and mentally recover from having the baby and get used to this new life with, you know, being mother and child. But I think and in society, especially with, I've talked to about a lot of people about this, with things like social media and, you know, mm-hmm. you have celebrities who oh, look at my postnatal body one month after. And they give these really unrealistic expectations and pressure yep. that people don't take the time that they need and they don't listen to their yeah. body. They tend to try and themselves before they're ready. Yeah, I mean, in, in my course, you know, you get your six-week postpartum check and that's often when you're cleared for exercise, but there's no pelvic floor check at all involved in that. And, I mean, like you say, you know, the baby has been sitting on top of that pelvic floor for nine months, and it just it's it just seems so wrong that that's not you know. It's neglected. Yeah, that that should that should be one of the checks. The first one, I that's, think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the six-week check seems to be this you know this green light of oh you can go you can do anything you can resume normal life, but often a, a lot of the six-week check is about the baby, and it's just a quick you know, mama, you okay? I mean, depending on who you go to your six-week check, but I see a mm. lot of people who they don't have a pelvic floor exam. They might check for diastasis and then they're on their way and they don't get any information about returning to sort of whatever resembled normal life before they had the baby. Yeah, and then like so, you say, with that pressure on top of that to bounce back and get your pre-baby body back, they probably want to go straight into you know that sort of higher intensity exercise that maybe they were doing before and... Yeah, your your body is just not not this, not the same, and that's not a bad thing. It's just different. No, but this is a narrative that we are, you know, we're told you have to get back to your pre-pregnancy body. Um, and I spoke to a very good friend of mine the other day, and she said people keep asking me if I'm back in my pre-pregnancy clothes. And why is that any of your business? And yeah. why is it a thing? Your body's been through such a huge change that everybody wants to immediately erase all trace of, you know, this fantastic thing that your body has done. But we need to try and change it into a more positive thing. Like, this is your new body, and this is testament to what you've done. How do we make you happy with your new body? Because whatever you do, you may never get back to your pre-pregnancy body. Yeah. But we have to try and make it a positive journey into your post-pregnancy body and celebrate what your body has done. 
because you find a lot of people when you're pregnant, people will really compliment, you know, oh, you're looking fantastic. And as soon as the baby's out, we don't celebrate pregnancy anymore. We want to go right back to where we were before. Yeah, and that's just seen it's, as a sign of success if you know you get back there quick. Um, it's baffling. It is. Really baffling. It is. And I, I really... I mean, I, I did the pre- and postnatal course for many reasons, but just one of them that drew me was trying to help change, yeah, what you were just saying, how to celebrate that journey in your, in your body, you know, at all stages and afterwards, because it's such a, I mean, I've never had a baby myself, but I just think it's incredible what the, the female body can do. Yeah, it's incredible. And why we want to erase all trace of that, like, you know, stretch marks and mm-hmm. your skin has been stretched, your muscles have been stretched. But it's a process and people don't realize there's this pressure to get back as quick as you can. But even between women and between the same woman and different pregnancies, it has a different impact on the body. So there's no sort of, there's no rules for every person. It has to be a very individualized process, which is why the six week check saying you can go back and do everything. It really, it doesn't work for everybody. No. So let's say um, someone wants to come and see a pelvic health specialist. Um, like, what exactly do you do and what happens in a session? So for the first session, what we do is a lot of it is we take a very thorough confidential history of anything that's going on, any symptoms, any pregnancy, birth trauma, all of this. It's invasive. <laughs> But we have to understand everything that's going on. Um, And for a lot of people, it's the first time they talked about this to anybody because a lot of people are very embarrassed about talking about these kind of things. So for a lot of an initial session, it's making everybody feel comfortable and comfortable to talk about that kind of thing and building that trust with people. Um, So once we get the sort of subjective history of what's going on, understand the individual story, um, we then do a physical assessment so your physical assessment is looking at your posture, you know, looking at your muscle strength, looking at your abdominal muscles, pelvic floor, how you're moving, um, understanding you also your normal day-to-day, what your goals are, where you're at now, sort of the impact it's having on your day-to-day life. Um, and then the bit that everybody's terrified of is doing an internal assessment of your pelvic floor. Yes. <laughs> because I think women, we, you know, going to the gynecologist, it's not a comfortable experience. So everyone's really... And it's a very vulnerable position to be in. Um, but we do a pelvic floor assessment. There's no speculum involved, which is everyone's greatest fear because we all know they're uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but we, it's such an important part because it's understanding the strength, the coordination of those muscles, if there's any restriction, you know, really understanding what's going on there. Because unlike sort of problems with any external muscles, like if you were to give someone a squat as an exercise, you can watch them do it. You can check their form and check they're doing it right. But for pelvic floor exercises, like Kegels is every doctor's favorite pelvic floor exercise, which is not appropriate for everyone. Yeah. But the only way to know you're doing it correctly is with an internal assessment. And they've done research on women. And more than half of women, when they thought they were doing a Kegel, weren't doing it right. Oh, wow. Because you can't see from the outside. Yeah, yeah. What so, you, you think you might be doing one, but... <laughs> Yeah, you've got nothing really to compare that to, do you? Um, no, so that's not to check your form. Yeah. Also, uh, I have a s- yeah. question, just slight deviation, because uh-huh. I've noticed you've talked, uh, I'm guessing most of your clients are women. And, yep. um, okay, first question is, do you find, like, fi- uh, say, fitness, women uh-huh. or men, if you have any men clients who train, have, uh, how would I say, better control of their pelvic floor or it's stronger or that doesn't uh, make a difference? Um, it's, it, it depends entirely on the person because mm-hmm. people can be doing all the training they want, yeah. but if they're not connecting with their pelvic floor, a lot of people, like there's a lot of, you find with a lot of people, there's a disconnect between their pelvic floor and being able okay. to activate those muscles. Yeah. Um, for some people, Sometimes you do find with people who do a lot of high impact exercise, um, sometimes they can have more of a tight pelvic floor because if they're doing a lot of impact, they're often holding that pelvic floor very tight. Um, so for some people, it's a difficulty in then relaxing. Um, but it's, it's having that control 
if you're not regularly doing, if you're not doing your Kegel exercises or you're not strengthening, you're not connecting to your pelvic floor, it's a control that people find difficult. Yeah. Um, and uh, what advice do you have for men who assume pelvic floor exercises are just for women? Because <laughs> I'm sure... So a lot of men assume they don't have a pelvic yeah. floor. Um, <laughs> which is wrong, they do have a pelvic floor. Um, I mean, the majority of my patients are women, but men, there's a particular population of men who pelvic floor physios deal with, and it's after prostate removal. Mm. Um, oh, wow. So there's pelvic floor treatment that can happen there because often they then have difficulty with urination. Um, so those sort of men, I mean, for women, the Kegel exercises are a lot more important, but for men, spending time actually connecting to your pelvic floor, one, realizing you have one, yeah. and two, understanding, <laughs> being able to, you know, contract, relax, and just getting in touch with it, being aware of your body is the best thing. So that's not solely for women, it's also for men. Yeah, that, that I mean, we, we always talk about that mind-muscle connection, and for me, the two most neglected are breathing <laughs> and the pelvic floor. And, yeah, and it, I mean, they go hand in hand, and that's... Uh, that just goes to show that you can be yeah in control of so much else but yeah if you're if you're not aware or can't control your breathing then you're probably you know don't have such a great connection with your pelvic floor either yeah and, yeah. and you find for a lot of people like if you are doing exercises or you know if you're lifting very heavy weights and you're doing a lot of breath holding um that breath holding if you, there's a pressure in here and if you're not breathing if you're not exhaling that pressure can then if it's a crack, it can just go down into your pelvic floor and that can cause a, a lengthening and weakening in your pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. So connecting your exercise to breathing will then lead to less dysfunction in your pelvic floor. Yeah, so that goes... Uh, I found that it's quite hard to get my mind around at first because in weightlifting, we're trained to breathe in and the hardest part of the exercise um, uh-huh. to increase your intra-abdominal pressure. But like with the pelvic floor you want to breathe out and then contract it. Isn't that right? Yeah. Am I getting that right? Yeah. And so that's, that's like the opposite of what we're taught in weightlifting. So I think for women, it, there can be a, a degree of untraining needed there. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're, if you're repetitively lifting really, really heavy weights and you have that breath hold and that huge intra-abdominal pressure, that pressure has to go somewhere. So that repeated kind of increased pressure can then have an effect on your pelvic floor. But it's difficult when you get conflicting information of this is what you're trained to do. And it's no one way is going to work for everyone because some people may not be able to exhale while they're lifting that weight, but it's just being aware of the effect that it may have and that repeated increased pressure, the effect that may have on your pelvic floor. Exactly. So let's go back to being in a session with you. So... Um, it's important to do the internal um, examination. Um, and, I mean, do you use any kind of uh, ultrasound or to see what's going on inside, or is it just a mainly sort of by feel? It's, it's just by feel. You can get biofeedback machines um, in which you can put a probe and you're contracting and you can see on a screen sort of your contractions. Um, but, I mean, we don't have one at the clinic. There is another clinic in Nairobi that does have one. Um, but, I mean, having a finger, that is your own biofeedback. Yeah. So that's how we do that. And feelings for any, you know, any pain, any areas of restriction, just like you can feel any other muscle, you can feel if there's areas that aren't moving so well. Um, and, yeah, it's just a very thorough assessment, sort of internal, external, see everything that's going on, and then piece it all together and figure out where... The most likely cause of your symptoms are and then from there we spend a lot of time then explaining to people because this you know people don't know a lot about it explaining to people what is going on and then creating a treatment plan for them so treatments a lot of the sort of first line of treatment is that like we talked about connecting your breath and your pelvic floor so spending time just increasing your mind muscle connection getting that awareness of your pelvic floor and being able to really tap in and control it. Um, And then we also do some sort of manual therapy if there's areas of restriction or if people are having trouble relaxing. And often some of the manual treatment is also giving people that 
awareness and that feedback if they're contracting and relaxing their pelvic floor right. Because for a lot of people, making that connection is very difficult. Um, mm -hmm. So we do sort of manual therapy like that. We can do for women who've had maybe a C-section or if they have a perineal tear when they've given birth, doing scar mobilization is really important as well. Because when the scar is healing, if you if it's not mobile, it, you can cause adhesions and then you get a restriction in your tissue movement, which then affects your whole body system. Yeah. Um, and that's actually something that we can teach the women to go and do themselves. Because for a lot of people, if they have a scar, they're very they're kind of they're scared to touch it. They don't want to they don't want to move it, and it's something a bit alien to their body. Yeah. But actually, getting people comfortable with doing that that's something they can then go and do at home. Um, and then we also can do things um, like sort of postural awareness and more functional exercises. So after you're really after you can coordinate your pelvic floor, then sort of moving that into more functional exercises. Um, because a lot of people start with their pelvic floor training just laying down. Um, mm -hmm. But obviously, we don't spend our time laying down. Yeah. So then move that into more functional positions, get strengthening and building it into their, you can then build it into their workout. Mm -hmm. So they have a sort of holistic workout, working their strength, pelvic floor, and just that sort of awareness. Um, we can also do, for some pelvic floor dysfunctions, you can do acupuncture. Um, so I did uh, my training in women's health acupuncture. Mm -hmm. So that can be really useful for certain conditions. Um, and also just educating, edu education is a huge, huge thing. Yeah. Getting people aware of their body and aware of how it feels. That's often the first kind of barrier we have to get past to sort of embark on their treatment. Yeah, no, I, I, I think that's such an important one. And I mean, if so, if, if someone is pregnant, do you think that it should be like the like a, like a check-in with a pelvic health specialist should be something that happens, you know, not just with their, with their doctor. Yeah, it's, it can be a really, really useful thing because also there's a lot of things that you can go through with a pelvic floor physio about getting your body ready for labor. Mm -hmm. um, because for a lot of people, they think about pelvic floor and all they think about is Kegels. Yes. <laughs> so you know, you're contracting and you're strengthening, but actually... To prepare your body for labor, you have to be able to relax your pelvic floor because mm -hmm. your pelvic floor has to relax and stretch to get the baby out. Um, and there's a lot of things you can do with the sort of relaxation, the breathing, and getting through labor is a lot of tapping into your mind, you know, breathing, relaxing. And there's different, you can teach sort of different positions for pushing that make it a bit easier. You can get the partners in and go through all of that with them. So it can be a really useful thing for sort of just labor prep, just to check in with a physio and see what you can do. But we also have a lot of women when they're pregnant because of the strain on your body, a lot of people have aches, they have pains. And you know, with your altered hormones during pregnancy, your ligaments are lax. So your, some of your joints can move a bit more than they usually do. Mm -hmm. And in your pelvis, this can cause people a lot of pain. Um, so there's a lot of things that we can teach people about how they're moving, you know, how they're going about their day to day life. Um, and you can get support to help support the bump and take the pressure off the pelvis. So there's a lot of information that is accessible to people. But at, I mean, again, through pregnancy, women just seem to grin and bear it. And they think, oh, it's just part of pregnancy. I'll just it'll be fine once the baby's out. But if you check in with a physio, there's a lot of even small advice, like how to get in and out of bed, you know, or getting up and down the stairs. It can make life a lot more tolerable. Yeah, and then I thought it was interesting what you said earlier that sort of, you know, after you've had the baby, all the focus is on the baby, and that's almost when you need even more support on, you know, getting your body, you know, ready to return to exercise and just, yeah, really concentrating on the, the pelvic floor. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what we said before, it would be great if, you know, a pelvic health specialist was involved, you know, at that six week check-in or even earlier. And just to start that process of like reconnecting with the pelvic floor and practicing the breathing and how to get back into exercise slowly. And um, I'm sure a lot of women who used to love to run and want to run again, maybe feel like they never will. Um, and that's really yeah. sad and so do you do you find um that you get a, quite a few 
women who come to you with that kind of problem and sort of asking if they'll ever get back to the exercises that they used to love doing? Yeah, absolutely. Because also, I mean, the the focus is very much on baby's health. And as new moms, they're incredibly busy. You know, their day-to-day life is not as they used to know it. And you also have a baby that's growing in weight. You're carrying that baby. So for a lot of women, it's also then about strengthening your body to be able just to do your day-to-day tasks without any pain. Um, but a lot of women just come in just... Because the information you get, I mean, if you Google it, you get such contradicting information. And then you go for your six-week check and they say, I had one lady who came in, she'd been for her six-week check, and the doctor said to her, you can go back to doing any kind of exercise, you can run a marathon if you want, but please don't do too much cardio. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my, oh dear. I'm just like, I'm so, I, so the information, even from some <laughs> health professionals, just it's it's not there and i mean as as physios we rehab people back into sport after injuries after surgeries and there's a whole list of you know there's guidelines there's criteria people have to reach before we say they're fit to return but for the postnatal population it's it's not really there like they only brought out the first guidelines for returning to running postnatal last year wow Oh, yeah. That that is shocking. That yeah, is really that's traumatic. Yeah. That's a traumatic thing on the body. Yeah. I saw my daughter get born, and that is traumatic. <laughs> yeah. And just these the women. Don't traumatize. They're struggling to come to terms with their new body and having a new baby. So they need someone to give them the information that they need. They may not have the time to, you know, go through all of this information and try and pick out what's right, what's wrong. They need to have it in a very sort of accessible and have someone just, it's its a whole body experience. So having someone to guide you in that process, you need somebody who's trained in, you know, pelvic floor and postnatal fitness. You need somebody to guide you through that recovery to make the best recovery. Totally. Um, I think yeah. it's, it is traumatic and it's confusing it is, and I mean, like, if 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 women have a C-section, I mean, that's 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 major surgery. You're going through so many layers there, and I think maybe women think if they've had a C-section that maybe you know because they've not given birth vaginally that their pelvic floor is okay, but they've kind of not thought about you know it's still had nine months of a baby you know sitting on yeah, top of it. Um, yeah. So you know they, again, like you said, it's just that awareness and education. Um, that you know whatever birth you've had it is still it would be still such a great idea to to work with someone like you with a pelvic health um, specialist yeah absolutely that's it's a common misconception about c-section people think it's you know it's the easy way out my pelvic floor hasn't been affected but they then forget you have to think about the tissue healing of your c-section scar like you said they're cutting through so many layers um, that actually your abdominal tissue I think it's at at six weeks, the, the tension in your abdominal tissue is only a 50% of what it was prior to the surgery. Mm. And after four to six months, it's yeah. about 70 to 90%. Wow. So it's a long yeah. process and something that people then don't, it, it seems to get forgotten about. Um, and things like doing scar massage to your C-section scar is another incredibly important thing that a lot of people aren't given the information about. And if you get restrictions in your abdominal tissue, that can then affect your pelvic floor. Yeah, indeed. Um, no, it's it seems like you know, like you say, the, the the guidelines for women after birth are just so grey and so vague. And I mean, I would I would feel that it it'll take you know not just six weeks to get back into it, but even a year, even more, even you know your 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 whole life. I mean, I don't mean that in a negative way that you'll you know you'll never no. be okay, but. You know, some some of these things, you, you know, your, your body has just changed so much. Yeah. I mean, the difficulty with, with guidelines is because pregnancy and birth, it's completely different for each woman. So everyone's birth story is different. Everyone's pregnancy story is different. But there's, there's I mean, these guidelines to return to running were just an absolute godsend because then we had something to, you know, compare to and kind of get a feel of what's going on. But after, because everybody is so different and everybody recovers at different rates, it's it has to be an individualized process, which is why this six-week check is kind of this rudimentary, okay, fine, you, you can go. 
for a lot of women, it's not like that. For some women, it will take them up to a year. And actually, your, your pelvic muscles, your abdominal muscles, they're not really fully healed before about four to six months. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it takes time, and it's different for everyone, which is why it's important that people come and they work with someone who understands it, can assess it, and then guide them in that recovery process like you would with any other kind of injury. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, again, one of the reasons I chose to do my pre and postnatal course, because I just thought, you, you know, it's even as personal trainers, you're, you're looking after someone's body, their health, and even more so for, you know, a woman who's pregnant or who's just had a baby. I mean, that's a huge responsibility. Um, so you can't just, you know, come with, um, you know, even just from a personal training background, you need, you need to know all of this about the pelvic floor and how it's all unique and you know no no one woman is going to be the same and they'll need a different you know and even their mental health every approach is going to be different um yeah and to have a like a like a, a holistic approach like i'm really looking forward to working with you with my pre and postnatal clients like i know a bit about pelvic floor but just I think having someone work with a specialist is so important and then to like integrate all of that into their workout so that they can get yeah. back to you know what they want to do yeah and it's a huge like you said it's a very holistic approach because it's not just about physically it's also mentally and you know are they eating well are they sleeping what other stuff is going on so you have to look at you know you have to look at each woman as a whole and figure out her individual story and how you can best put her on this path to recovery. Um, so having a good team, having a good team around you of you know specialists who can work together, I think is it's the most important thing. But unfortunately, a lot of people just think, oh, you know, the body will just recover. It'll get there. I'll just go about it. But yeah. if you you know if you had another injury, you I mean you see it all the time. If people ignore it, they may recover in the long run, but they don't make an optimum recovery. Yeah, and uh, I mean, that's such great news that they do that course here. I think that's so exciting. Yeah, it's it's definitely, I mean, worldwide, there's not enough access to women's health physio. I think France is one of the only countries where after you've had a baby, you automatically are sent to go and see a pelvic floor physio and work with them, but it's one of the only countries in the world. Wow. that, that <laughs> That really says something, doesn't it? That it's just such a... I don't know, I think anything sort of with, not everything with the pelvis, but like with the pelvic floor, it's just, it's almost one of those taboo topics as well, like periods and, you know, yeah. anything like that. And and especially with sort of urinary or even fecal incontinence, people just don't want to talk about that. And um, I just hope that we can spread more awareness about it and for women to know that there is someone that you can go to. It doesn't just have to be your doctor. You know, there are specialists yeah. there. Yeah, and actually when you get, we've done a couple of, uh, of, of pelvic floor workshops and when you get a group of women together and as soon as they hear somebody else is having the same problem, that everybody opens up and they can talk about it, but no one wants to be the person to start that conversation because it's, it is a taboo subject and people find it embarrassing. So just starting educating people and starting that conversation is really, it's where we need to start so that women can come forward and actually access the help that they need. Because having things like having incontinence is such a, it's debilitating in life. Like people won't leave the house or they're very careful about what they're doing. Um, So it has such a huge impact on their quality of life. And it's something that you can access help for, but because it's so taboo, people don't, and they live with it for years and years and years until hopefully at some point they realize there's something they can do yeah no that's sad um so andy and leon have you you know with the clients that you've worked with have you ever had any women with well what you now probably know as a pelvic floor dysfunction and have they do you think felt comfortable to talk to you as men about it no in a simple answer not from um yeah not from people like I've, i've worked with training um, in the fact that I, I, I would think it was hard for a female client to say that. But I, actually, I remember growing up and my mum talking about bladder issues. She used to say, I've had four children, so she can't 
if she laughs and stuff, she's always going to wet herself and stuff. You know, and which is, yeah, it's like, you know, we all sort of think about it and, uh, you know, it's clearly just, you know, a dysfunction. But I think when it comes to male trainers and female, because there seems to be this barrier in this topic anyway, I think as we've seen internationally, you know, there isn't been the access and, uh, you know, I feel, I feel there's still a barrier because, you know, there needs to be more discussion on it openly, I think, before a client will yeah. talk to us about it. Because if there's only one country that really focuses on both the mother and the baby after, you know, pregnancy, then it's it's a serious issue. <laughs> but you've you've not had any. Well, yes, I, no, sort of I don't think so. Uh, even if there are, I don't I don't think they'd open up to me like Andy said. It's, yeah. it's the way you say it is taboo. If it's hard for a woman to open up to another woman. Yeah. I don't think. It's, it's just one of those, yeah. I don't think they think like, maybe I should ask my trainer, male trainer yeah. and see what he says about it. So, yeah, no, that's, no, that, not really. that's, that's interesting. And if, yeah. <laughs> I think if anyone is, is listening and you do think you've got a, a pelvic floor dysfunction, um, well, now you know you can see Sarah and a pelvic, <laughs> pelvic health physio, but I... I think it shouldn't be a topic that you are scared to bring up yeah. with your trainer because I mean they that's where you're yeah true. you know you're probably going to experience it doing uh, we, during exercise and, we could be making it worse and we don't know yeah yeah, <laughs> uh, well, that's yeah I think that it's sort of getting trainers and people to look out for it as if people have diastasis mm-hmm. and they're doing exercises too hard you see like a doming of the stomach um and having people aware of that and being able to spot it if they're doing exercises that are too hard because if they're not able to maintain that tension there it can then make it worse so educating women and also trainers on how to you know how to look out for that and if they spot it realizing there's something wrong it's quite an easy you know thing that people can look out for yeah Um, and then they're on appropriately i've worked with a lady who had diastasis and it was it was different. It it seemed like I was training at a rabbit, like a little bunny, very fragile. And any any time before the session, I remember I would sit and I'd be looking for research papers. And because in a way, I'm scared. It's new. I knew about it, but now when an actual client comes, it's like crap. I I can't make a mistake. Like I can't mess this up because this it's serious. So. Before every session, I remember I'd, I'd just be on my phone, like, remember this, like, trying to remember every time. So it's it's one of those, you just don't go into, like, eh, you know, it's a normal session. So even for me, it, it was very new and I was scared. Like, it wasn't, I'm sure like you, you know, you know what to look out for and what to do. And, yeah, it, every session felt like it was the first time and... I, I can't mess this up. <laughs> but it's, it's a big fear for people and for women as well. They think, I have diastasis. And it's people tend to think, you know, they are very fragile and we can't do this. But actually, it's just about starting at the right level and getting them connecting their sort of deep abdominals. And then you can progress it from there. So a lot of women come in and they say, you know, I can never do a sit-up. I can never do this. And that sort of fear is instilled in them from day one that this is never going to happen. But if you, you just have to assess them, find the level they can start at, and then they can progress from there. It's, we have to try and take the fear out of it because I know I've, women, health professionals, fitness professionals, everyone is terrified of it. And they don't want to touch it because they don't want to make it worse. Yeah, but and if you start from the right level yeah. and just progress as they can. And I think then- it starts from the doctors because it's, it's what you've said because all she kept saying because um, there were two of them and it was all oh my doctor said I'll never do this my doctor said I shouldn't do this oh my doctor doesn't like it when I do this so I think it starts from just the doctors also just educating themselves to be honest it's 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 yeah, looking but- at each uh, lady as an individual and just just educating themselves also on these issues and not yeah 
and not having more of a positive kind of a positive narrative because saying yeah. to someone you will never do this again you're stunning them from such a negative point yeah. and they just think okay, what's the point yeah, yeah actually yeah. they figure out where they want to be and then figure out a safe way of getting them there instead of saying to someone you will never do this again because yeah. for some people whatever that exercise is it's, it's important to them yeah true so you have to work with each individual person but i know for doctors they, they may not have the liberty of the time to actually you know get to know each individual person where they want to be and how to get them there mm-hmm. which is why then as you know as postnatal specialists we are ideally placed to take each individual woman find out where they want to go and how to get them there yeah i mean we've we've had this uh, discussion on the podcast before of the the disconnect between doctors and personal trainers and it would just be you know great if everyone could just involve everyone you know from your doctor to the personal trainer to your physio and it, that would just be a wonderful world yeah. um, and, and that's how you get the best treatment because if yeah. you work together as a team you know everyone's going towards the same goal you understand what everybody is doing and where you want to be and how you best get there together Whereas yeah. if you have one person saying one thing, one person saying another, then as you know, as the patient, who, how do you know who to trust? Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I'm seeing we have an opportunity here because I would say most personal trainers train women. Um, yeah. Would you agree with that? Like the majority yeah. of your clients are women. Um, and, and I would say the majority of personal trainers, you know, have no idea about... Uh, uh, pelvic floor health and i think that is something that uh, really needs to you know needs to change um and i think uh, yeah every every pt if you're training women you should know about um you know pelvic floor health and sort of what to look for and how to you know keep that channel open that channel of communication open so that your client feels comfortable telling you that I'm, I'm I'm scared to you know skip because I might um, wet my wet myself and you know or just to be able to open up to you and just say they they're worried about something and for you to know who to refer out to because that's so important. Um, I mean yes, it's good to you know Google and look things up, but if you don't know and it's something like that, yeah. refer out one hundred percent. Don't just Google and be like okay, pelvic floor mm, kegels. So today we'll do Kegels. You know, that's that's not going to be very helpful. No, no. And, you know, if you Google something, you get 100 different answers and often they don't they don't agree with each other. So, again, you don't know who to you don't know what information to take. Yeah. Um, and then... but I think you're right. Just having that sort of general knowledge of pelvic floor health and the systems and what to look for is then you can look out. And if something isn't quite right, then you can refer out. Mm-hmm. Well, this is something for us to to work on. <laughs> Create a pelvic health uh, workshop or for personal trainers. Watch yeah, this space. <laughs> educating everyone. I mean, even to doctors and gynecologists, mm-hmm. getting everybody to understand what pelvic floor physio is and what we can help with and what sort of patients we can help with is really our big kind of driving force at the moment to try and get that awareness out there yeah. for everybody, healthcare professionals, anybody, fitness professionals, women, just so everybody knows and understands, knows what help is there and how to access it. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, so we, we have a, a couple of questions. I know Andy has a, a good one for you. Yeah, um, first one. So, obviously... You know, we've been talking about women and um, how can your partner assist with pelvic floor health? So, for actually, for what we were talking about before, about if, uh, if pregnant ladies before they give birth can benefit from pelvic floor physio, one of the things that you can do to prepare your body for labor is you can do something called perineal massage, which is like a massage to the pelvic floor. Obviously, for a pregnant woman, this is, you know, practically very, very impossible. Um, So what we can do is we can get partners in and teach them how to do it, and they can help their partner doing that um, before before they then give birth. Um, And for some of the manual techniques that we do, so more sort of myofascial release, we can either sometimes, and there's different tools you can get, 
which then women can do a self-release or you can get their partner and teach them how to do some of that stuff. So partners can be a really helpful tool um, so that people don't have to keep coming into the clinic to then have that manual therapy treatment. Sometimes after a couple of sessions, you can get the partners in and they can help with that. So that's how we, I mean, it completely depends on each individual, their partner and how they feel about that, but it can be a really helpful tool for them to then help their partners at home. Yeah, I think- Pelvic floor spotting is spotter for the pelvic floor exercise. <laughs> That'd be a new thing. <laughs> oh, no, but I, I think that's such a great question. Yeah. Um, and um, I think great to involve your, your partner with that. Definitely. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, one of our listeners asked, is there a relationship between the pelvis and back pain? Yes. Yeah, so as we talked about before, that sort of core canister, like your back, your abs, your pelvic floor, and your diaphragm, if there's a weakness somewhere, so if you, you know, if you have diastasis and there's a weakness on the front, or your pelvic floor is weak, that pressure can then be more directed towards the back, so then you can get back pain. Um, and even so within pregnancy, like we talked about, with the laxity of the ligaments and that increased load that you're carrying on the front, a lot of women then get back pain when they're pregnant because of that change in your body. And when you, as you progress through your pregnancy, your posture actually changes because your center of gravity is changing yeah. with this baby on the front. So people have more of a um, lordosis, so like sort of that sticking your bum out posture to counteract for that change in gravity. Um, and for a lot of women, after they've had the baby, it's then also... <laughs> Sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> it's, if you've been in that posture for a long time, that then becomes your normal. So for a lot of people, after they've had the baby, it's getting that awareness of the position of your pelvis and being able to go back to their sort of pre-pregnancy posture, um, which can often come with back pain and again it's just getting about that awareness of your body mm -hmm. because if you spend you know if you spend a very long time in one position it's very difficult to then adjust yourself out of it yeah so here is another one do you feel that it's important for people to know by feeling with their hands the shape of their pelvis also that and where it is connected through the spine to their head so I think that for everybody, having, you know, being able to feel and having awareness of your pelvic floor is, again, it's a very taboo subject. And if you say to someone, you know, if you even, even looked, have you even looked like it, get a mirror and look, because there's such a disconnect between your, you know, when you say to people, have you ever looked at your vagina? And they say, oh, no, oh, no, I can't yeah. do that. Yeah. But for a lot of people, even encouraging people to get a mirror and look and be comfortable with their own body. Because, you know, you're very aware of the rest of your body, but for some reason, this is very taboo. And, you know, people don't like to think about it. But to have and being able to feel and have that awareness is key to being a being sort of optimally functional. Because if you're if you don't, you don't want to think about it, then connecting with it in your mind becomes impossible. Yeah. Um, and people also don't think about, you know, with the fascia in your body, you are connected head to toe, you know, everything is connected and people often think if you have a pelvic floor dysfunction you know you treat that as an isolated entity but it's connected to everything so when you do your physical assessment we're looking at people head to toe and figuring out where things may be an issue but yeah getting people to buy into the fact that everything is connected and that sort of awareness really helps them with their treatment and restoring that sort of function yeah no that i mean fascia is a, a fascinating topic um and yeah that everything is connected and we, with with the pelvis it's interesting you know in many societies you know the pelvis is the center of so many things it's like your powerhouse yeah. um but then there's that disconnect like you say with the pelvic floor floor like you can talk about your pelvis but if you now talk about the pelvic floor mm, no that's uh that's just uh yeah a bit taboo which is which is interesting it's, yeah, and it, it, it means for a lot of people that there is a huge disconnect between mind and pelvic floor because they don't like to think about it. And 
it, it, it means that actually having, it would be like not thinking about your bicep and then, you know, trying to do a bicep cut. If you hadn't, it just makes everything very difficult, which is why for a lot of people, we have to start very basic and build that awareness and make people comfortable with connecting with their pelvic floor and thinking about it. So for a lot of people, that's sort of our starting block. And then once they've got their head around that, then you continue from there. But that the taboo thing is a real obstacle to get past for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, even with postnatal bodies, like I saw a lady the other day and she wouldn't, she wouldn't touch her C-section scar because mm. it was such an, such an alien thing to her. And she really, she, she didn't like it. So we spent a lot of time, you know, just getting her used to what is her new body. Yeah. So. Yeah it's for a lot of people that's where we have to start and being comfortable like we said with talking about with thinking about and connecting with your pelvic floor because for a lot of people it's something they just don't want to do and don't necessarily have to if it's if it's working well and there's no dysfunction it's something you really you don't think about yeah yeah and i mean as as personal trainers we're we're with with clients a lot you know some we see four times a week um you know, you, in a way, you're more than, you know, just their trainer. You talk about a lot of problems. So, I mean, we mm. are ideally set up, you know, to have that conversation with, with clients. And <laughs> so I think that, that you know, we, we do have a responsibility to educate ourselves about it and to really make our clients comfortable talking about it um, and then to know who to, to refer their clients to. So if, if someone wants to work with you, how, how do they go about that right now? Um, they can just, I can leave my phone number or they can call the clinic. Um, so if they call performance medicine, they can be put through to me and then we can do that there. So the clinic, the performance medicine clinic is in Parklands, but we also have a space in Karen. So we can cover most of Nairobi, which is nice. Okay, that's um, yeah, so just get in touch. And even if people aren't sure, just get in touch. Give me a call. We can chat through and see if it's something that would be appropriate. Okay, great. Um, well, we will people... we'll put your contacts in the uh, podcast write-up as well so people can, can find you there. And I would encourage not just uh, women to, to talk with Sarah, but also men. And if you are a trainer and you want to learn more about this, that would be great to get in touch with her or, or just get in touch with one of us and we can put you in touch and just to yeah really start up a, a dialogue about this topic absolutely and there's one the, the so the guidelines that i mentioned for returning to running um they are free to access for everybody um you can look at them and they have therefore healthcare professionals fitness professionals and women just having a look at those it gives you a really nice overview of things you have to consider certain assessments that you can do um, because they, the guidelines say returning to running before three months postpartum is not advised. Okay. So before three months, people should be doing, you know, strengthening but low impact exercise. Mm -hmm. And then at the three month mark, give or take, because like we said, it's, it's not the same for every single person, but there's sort of a certain set of strength and sort of load management that you can go through and then decide if they are ready to go back to running. And this is another thing people find is people think, okay, I'm going to go back to running, and as soon as they think they're ready, they'll go and they'll try and do 5K. Um, but it yeah. needs to be, like anything, it needs to be a graded return to running or any high-impact exercise. So starting and having somebody to guide you in that process and having somebody that you're comfortable enough to, if you're having any kind of pelvic floor symptoms, be able to say to them, look, when I do this, this is happening, that's key to then getting them safely back because a lot of people will think oh you know i'll just go for a run and i have a little bit of incontinence but it's fine but that's a sign that your body is not ready to go back to doing what it's doing yeah. um so definitely as personal trainers i mean having a look over those guidelines is a very good place to start for then if you're working with any postnatal women and having an idea of safely getting them back to running or any other kind of high impact exercise that they want to do yeah, that's so useful. Um, um, so we'll, we'll definitely make sure that you can access all of that information. Um, Leon, Andy, have you guys got any other questions? Yeah, this has been a... Yeah, you've been, this has you've been enjoyed a, taking all of this in. A class session. I've learned a lot. <laughs> so 
Exactly. It's a learning. It's a learning session. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we could. You know, we probably can do another session at another time yeah, as well. Once we um, research some more. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot to take in. But it does <laughs> seem like it's a very under understudied, not necessarily understudied topic, but underutilized. Underutilized, yeah. Um, concept. Yeah, well, and yeah, maybe that's because you know it's primarily affects females and not men who knows but uh, without going into the gender argument um you know um you know it, it seems like a lot more work needs to be done on you know bring it you know bringing more awareness to it and i think if we can all get people talking about it i think that's gonna be a first hurdle really yeah um and uh, we we will definitely we will we'll, we'll spearhead that and uh, sure. and I think it'll be really great as well coming from like men like Leon and and Andy you know they're comfortable talking about it you know yeah it will all be comfortable yeah we're comfortable talking about everything and anything so no, and that, that, and this that's is great. it's just part of learning and for us it's it's good it's always good to learn something new and something that well, we'll help our craft and our clients. So this is really good. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much, Sarah, for taking the time to come and talk to us. This has just been yeah, such an interesting topic. Um, I, I'm very passionate about it. And yeah, I yeah, look forward to working more with you and just yeah, spreading all that information and making people comfortable to talk about it and to get help. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Great, so we will link yeah, all Sarah's details below and just reach out to her if you need to or any one of us and we will connect you. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next week. See ya.